there's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm here with Dr. Emily Littlejohn. Dr. Littlejohn is a rheumatologist and clinical assistant professor at Cleveland Clinic Orthopedic and Rheumatologic Institute. But before we jump in, I wanted to ask you some questions kind of off topic mm -hmm. to kind of uh, break the ice, if sure. that's okay. So let's kind of start with uh, food, because that's always my favorite subject. <laughs> What's your favorite dish to cook or, you know, to buy, to eat? Um, I'm going to just say any kind of Mexican food is my favorite kind of food. Mexican food. Mm -hmm, I love okay. Mexican Tacos food. are the, to go to. How about your favorite 90s jam? Um, Spice Girls wannabe. <laughs> I love it. And the last thing you watched on Netflix? I watched the Fire documentary on Netflix. Recently. The Fire document. Mm -hmm. How did you like that? It was interesting. It was a it was a brain twist. Yep. Yes, it is. It is great. Well, um, before we start, please remember that this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So we're talking about lupus. Mm -hmm. So if you can just explain to us, what is lupus? Sure. So generally speaking, lupus is the body's inability to recognize self and non-self. So the immune system essentially attacks itself um, and manifests in things like rashes and heart problems and lung problems and joint pain. Okay. So it's your immune system attacking your own body? Correct. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And um, what? And you said symptoms and signs include rashes. What else? Yeah. So it's pretty vast. Uh, everyone's lupus fingerprint is different, what I like to tell patients. So some people come in and they have rashes and hair loss and ulcers in their mouth and nose, um, very bad joint pain. Other people have heart problems, problems in their lungs, or the worst manifestation, which is uh, lupus in the kidney or lupus nephritis. So everyone is very different. Yeah. So if, if someone feels like they have lupus, what are the first things to be looking for? Because it sounds like there's a lot of symptoms mm -hmm. for different people. There are. But what are the things that we should be looking for and saying, if I have these things, I should go see a specialist? Sure. Um, I think profound fatigue is one of the first ones, uh, joint pain and sun-sensitive rashes. So a lot of lupus patients are very, very sun-sensitive. The sun really bothers them, makes them more tired they can break out in rashes or um, have flu-like symptoms actually from the sun and with the sun rashes is that just on the face or anywhere on the body it can be anywhere but it's typically on the sun exposed area yeah. so the face the chest the arms arms okay and um, what are the causes is this hereditary yeah so we think it's probably a few different things um, it's genetically susceptible individuals um, we know there's a genetic components, but then that's probably a second hit that happens. So either an allergen, an environmental exposure, a hormone, um, a virus. Mm -hmm. We're really not totally sure what the second hit is. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now I know you said the parts of the body. That was my next question. What other parts of the body did the lupus affect? And you mentioned kidneys. Mm -hmm. How does that get to the kidneys? Yeah, so you name an organ and lupus will, will we'll be get there. there. Yes, really? uh, in, in mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form. Uh huh. So yeah, so the this these missiles that the body makes against itself, um, they end up in the bloodstream and then they get filtered into the kidney. Um, and in the kidney is kind of where they can stay um, and cause uh, local inflammation. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's difficult to diagnose. Why is that and how do you diagnose it? Yeah, it is very difficult to diagnose. Yeah. Um, going back to the lupus fingerprint idea, so everyone is different, so it's not standardized. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just a few different symptoms are going to equal lupus. Um, the way that we diagnose it is actually 
from symptoms and also what we see in the blood or in the urine. So there's clinical symptoms as well as immunologic or serologic markers. Uh, and patients technically need to make you know a certain amount of them to really be called lupus and uh, warrant treatment. Okay, what kind of testing are we talking about? Um, so some of the blood tests are okay. looking for specific autoantibodies. So everyone mm -hmm. always talks about the ANA test, which is very important, but it's by no means specific. Okay. So just because you have a positive ANA test doesn't necessarily mean you have lupus. Okay. Uh, that's a, a big, a big point that I want to get across. Uh, that is important to have a positive ANA uh, and other of these autoantibodies, but alone that's not how we diagnose it. So uh -huh. we usually see a patient in the clinic. They have the specific symptoms and signs and physical exam findings, and it's that in conjunction with the blood work. So can someone have lupus for a long time and go undetected? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's important to check for these symptoms and if you feel like you have any of this fatigue, joint pain, yep. rash in the sun, anything like that, that's, that could be a lupus sign. Especially in people who have family members who are also affected with lupus or other autoimmune diseases, but specifically lupus. So it is hereditary as well? Correct, yeah. Wow. There's okay. a component of that. And is there anybody that's more susceptible to this disease? Yes, yeah, so women of childbearing age, so typically women uh, between the ages of 15 and 44, uh, mm -hmm. it's more common in African-American women and women of Hispanic descent. Oh, okay. All right. So is there a special testing you should do by a certain age if you're um, in that category, or is it just you just wait for symptoms? If there are like specific symptoms, yes. Um, mm -hmm. But just a screening test, not not necessarily. Okay. Okay. And then let's talk about food and drinks. Sure. Are, are there any kind of food or drinks that can trigger lupus? So triggering a flare, yes. So we usually have patients avoid garlic and alfalfa sprouts. Those oh. are typically known to be pro-inflammatory. Okay. Um, in terms of foods that actually cause lupus, no, there are none. Okay. Um, yeah, garlic. So it's for sprouts. it's for patients that already have lupus. Correct. It can cause a flare. And mm -hmm. let's talk about those flares. Mm -hmm. What is a flare? So a flare is typically different for everybody, yeah. but it's typically um, joint pain, fatigue, rashes. Some people have high blood pressure uh, if they have kidney uh, kidney lupus. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's is a little bit different, but it's typically people feel kind of like they're having the flu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is there any food that helps with lupus at all? I mean, generally, can... yeah, generally speaking, uh, we have patients just eat a very heart healthy diet um, because lupus is an inflammatory process. So it can inflame right. all different organs and vasculature. So eating a heart healthy diet, micronutrient rich is the best thing to prevent flares. Okay, great. And would you say that lupus then is like a fatal disease? It can be, um, although survival trends have actually really improved. Back in the 1950s, mm -hmm. survival rates were about 50%, um, but as of wow. 1995, they were higher than 95%. Okay. So yeah, so you know, it, it can be fatal if it's not treated properly or caught early enough, but now we have a lot of different things in place in terms of treatment and screening that can really help people survive. Can it be cured? It can be put into remission. Okay, mm -hmm. put into remi remission, meaning that it could come back as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not completely cured? Correct. Okay. So how do you treat for lupus? So there's different tiers of treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, they start with certain medications that people will take every day in a pill form, <clears throat> and then you sort of move up in tier from there. So depending on the different symptoms, for example, patients with joint pain get put on certain medications versus patients who have just lupus in the blood that we see causing low counts or anemia, they might get a different medication. Um, but typically, you know, we, we give the medications that are uh, immunosuppressing, which means it slows down the immune system. So things like chemotherapies can be used. Wow. Um, certain medications that we use to treat rheumatoid arthritis and other meds um, that kind of just slow down the immune system. So you use chemo for lupus? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, and just to be clear, chemo, what that, that word really means is that chemotherapy is modifying the immune system. So it's slowing down the immune system. Mm -hmm. um, 
we don't necessarily use it in the dosages or the forms that are used in the cancer world, right. um, but we do take their their medications and use them for lupus. So smaller dosage of chemo? Uh, different dosages, yeah, and, and less frequent. Less mm -hmm. frequent, mm -hmm. okay. So what can be done to improve quality of life for someone with lupus? That's a good question. I think the big thing that I tell my patients um, when they get diagnosed with lupus, especially in the younger population, is support groups are huge. And knowledge is power. So yes. having patients really research what, what's going on with them, their medications, um, certain maintenance things they need to do in terms of their heart uh, and their reproductive health, those types of things. And how about, what would you say to someone, let's say, going on a vacation and there's a lot of sun? What would you say um, to those people? Yeah, so being sun aware is very important in our patients. Uh, sun exposure can induce a flare. So sun mm. exposure on the skin can even induce a flare in the kidneys, uh, believe it or not. Wow. So yeah, broad spectrum SPF is huge, at least 30, if not higher. Okay. Um, applying liberally every two hours, you know, every time you go into the sun uh, or into the water uh, or you're sweating to reapply. Um, but of course, this is not a substitute for avoiding the sun completely or um, sun protective clothing. Okay, so cover up as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Avoiding the sun is best. Okay, so the sun itself, the sun ray can give you a flare? Mm -hmm. Both UVA and UVB rays. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. all right. And um, let's see now, how about women that want to get pregnant? Because you were saying it's for childbearing mm -hmm. age, usually get it. Can they still get pregnant? And is it risky? Yeah. So lupus itself uh, is a risk for, you know, poor pregnancy outcomes, but we've come a long way. So it is safe for patients who have lupus to get pregnant. For the most part, there yeah. are instances where we right. just really want them to avoid it. Um, another thing to keep in mind is a lot of the medications we put patients on for lupus, we have to kind of make sure that, that those are safe for pregnancy. So their lupus needs to be controlled and they need to be on the correct medications uh, in order to get pregnant. Okay. And the medications kind of don't mess with pregnancy then? They or do. You need to they do. They're teratogenic. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you really need to talk to your doctor, you know, three to six months before you're even trying to conceive to make sure the lupus is controlled okay. uh, and also to put you on medications that are safe for pregnancy. Okay. Now you mentioned that it's, uh, it really affects more women than men. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason? Yeah. Uh, I wish we knew. <laughs> do we not? Uh, we think that it probably has something to do with hormones. Um, it might also have something to do with the fact that women have two X chromosomes. So the presence of two X chromosomes versus an X and a Y, uh, which we see in men, um, may have something to do with the different genes that are uh, expressed. Wow. All right. So let's talk about like, are there different types of lupus, correct? Yeah, there are different types of lupus. Yeah, uh -huh. can we talk about that? Sure. So some people have lupus just on the skin. So that's sort of skin lupus. Uh, you might think of people like Seal who has lupus on his skin. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have lupus uh, in the blood or systemic lupus is what we call that. Okay. And there's also something called neonatal lupus, which is um, when the lupus crosses the placenta and causes lupus in the baby. Um, the last one that we don't see as much is drug-induced lupus. So certain medications can induce a lupus-like syndrome. Even if you don't have lupus? Correct. It can induce lupus mm -hmm. with drugs? Yep. Hmm. Some medications can do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. And what point should you see a rheumatologist then? When someone, just like we said about the diagnosis earlier or the symptoms, mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. do you think um, a patient should go see a specialist for lupus? Yeah, so typically patients come to us after they've been seen by their primary care doctor. Um, they have these symptoms that have been ongoing that are kind of nonspecific, like I said, fatigue mm -hmm. or brain fog in the setting of joint pain or rashes. Um, they might have canker sores in their mouths or have high blood pressure and new kidney disease. They see their, their primary doctor who typically will screen for some, some tests for lupus, um, whether it just be basic blood work or our more specific blood work. Um, but certainly if a primary care physician can't figure it out or has questions, I would say always refer because, you know, we're always having new tests that come about and new ways to screen patients for lupus. Um, and that's usually done best by a specialist. 
So it sounds like there's usually definitely more than one symptom. It's not just brain fog. It's not just fatigue. There's definitely like a few, you would say like three or four symptoms if you have these density specialists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is the biggest complaint that you see from your patients that have lupus? I think joint pain is is a big one. Um, Overall fatigue from anemia is a big one also. Mm. Uh, So patients just feel really worn out and the blood work shows that they have some abnormalities in the bone marrow and in the peripheral blood. Mm. So that is another big reason. Uh, Some women come in and they've had recurrent miscarriages or blood clots. and you know the primary care doctor checks some tests and it, it's suspicious for lupus. So it's really a mixed bag. I have yeah. to be honest. I think yeah. fatigue, joint pain are probably the biggest ones. Okay. So besides treatment, which by the way, do you do treatment the same thing for if it's on the face or in the blood? Is it the same treatment? A little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different. all different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for something like joint pain, um, exercise is that should that help any? Because I know fatigue is a big one. I don't mm-hmm. know how that would go with exercise, but would yeah. exercise help. Exercise always helps, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, this thing, staying he- healthy, staying active, especially to keep the joints moving. Right. But uh, specific medications that we would use can, you know, can include prednisone at very low doses and methotrexate. We usually like to put someone on a medication to to uh, prevent long-term use of prednisone. Um, but yes, movement and also medications. Right, right. So is do you do any kind of like rehab with like a specialist for joint pain? For Occupational no? therapists are Occupational incredibly, therapists. incredibly helpful. So are the physical therapists. So they do see... They can. Patients. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Keep mobility of the joints. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can we go a little bit uh, in detail with treatments sure. for sure, sure, sure. the different uh, lupus? So something for the skin. Mm-hmm. What is the treatment for that? So the first line is usually topical medications. Okay. Uh, so topical steroids or other typical creams. And the dermatologists actually usually manage it if it's just topical. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the first line. And, you know, every patient with lupus that I see has on Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine, which is a medication that is really wonderful for, for lupus. Uh, It takes a while to really get into the body and and start working, but it decreases inflammation peripherally and can actually help with rashes as well. Okay. So are these medications, uh, are they making your immune system stronger? They are suppressing the immune system in that they're stopping the body from attacking itself. But at the end of the day, yes, they are helping the immune system be stronger because, you know, you're preserving your body, your body functioning. So that's why I would think like exercise, sleep. Oh yeah, diet sleep is, huge. is mm-hmm. huge, right? Diet is Especially a very big sleep. One too. Sleep is affecting everything. Stress. I mean, all that yep. could be yep. could be factors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, she's flying. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think. Okay, let's see. Now, if sun may cause a flare, what does a tanning bed do? <laughs> Probably would cause a flare as well. Tanning okay. beds are some of the worst things. That Probably worse than the sun. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, just the chemicals and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In some lupus patients too, you know, we lo- know that lupus comes with a, a risk of other um, of other diseases, specifically cancers. So patients who have lupus have a higher risk of mm-hmm. um, leukemias and lymphomas, also a higher risk of GI cancers, so hepatobiliary mm-hmm. cancers, esophageal cancers, um, and uh, some other just types of long-term problems, cardiovascular disease, um, and those types of things, osteoporosis, avascular necrosis. So then if you have a patient with uh, lupus and if it's a bad case, do they get a colonoscopy earlier? Do they get all this stuff checked out just for cancer screening? That's a great question. Um, the biggest thing I think when someone gets diagnosed with lupus, especially when they're young, is to make sure that they see preventative cardiology because they okay. are at increased risk of atherosclerosis and inflammation. And then to just keep in mind that they probably will need um, screenings for other things. So a low threshold to screen if they have certain symptoms, um, whether it be reproductive health issues, you know, cervical cancer, pap smears, or mammograms, those types of things. Great. Now, with men, I know we talked a lot about women. Mm-hmm. Now, men still get lupus. They do. Are, are they the same symptoms as women? 
I don't want to generalize, but typically uh, the men that I see who have lupus are, are a little bit older um, and have just just different manifestations. They're not as yeah. run-of-the-mill lupus as we as we normally see, but they can be of all ages um, and in all sorts of symptoms. But they're they are a little bit different. Okay, great. So if you are um, pregnant and you have a child, is mm -hmm. that child most likely gonna have it since it's hereditary? Is it something that you should yeah. worry about? And then how does That's it affect a, a newborn? I can imagine a newborn with these kind of symptoms, does it start from that age? Mm -hmm. So certain lupus patients, depending on what their blood work shows, they mm -hmm. can have a certain antibody that is um, that we know that can cross the placenta and affect the the baby, specifically the heart of the, of the child. Oh. Um, we call that um, cardiac neonatal lupus. Wow. Uh, the antibodies can also affect the baby and cause skin lupus. So depending on what the profile is for the patient, uh, again, going back to that fingerprint idea and what their blood work shows, they can be at high risk of kind of passing on the lupus to the child mm -hmm. um, in some respect. So if that's the case, you know, we work very closely with the OBGYNs. Um, we see we share patients all the time who are at high risk for that. Yeah, that's scary because, I mean, if this is an immune system attacking your body and the baby is barely has any immune system at that point, with especially a newborn. So something like the organs that are being affected, like the kidneys or the heart, mm -hmm. um, something with a newborn, how can you go a little bit into the um, organs being affected? Yeah, so the big one is the, is the heart that we worry yeah. about. Um, the, um, the epicardial cushion uh, can be affected uh, in the child and cause heart block, so a very slow heart rate. So the uh, OBGYNs know that they need early these patients need early screenings of early ultrasounds to make sure you know that the, the baby is not affected. Yeah. Um, and if a patient has had a previous pregnancy with a child who's affected, there are some things that we can do to prevent it going forward in a, in a subsequent pregnancy. But it's very difficult to manage once the baby is affected. You're saying it, you you can prevent it from from passing on? There is some evidence that some medications can. Mm -hmm. Oh, some medications the mom can take while pregnant. Correct. Correct. Oh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you like catch lupus? Is it like a, is it something that could be contagious in any sense? When I think of rash, I mm -hmm. think of contagious. Yeah, is no, that, is that a you thing? cannot catch lupus, no. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no. Um, so do people with lupus get sick more often? Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Um, okay. Also the medications that we give them put them at risk to get infections. I see. So it's kind of a, 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 two, a double, a double-edged sword there. Yeah. Um, they are, their immune system is a little bit dysregulated to begin with, but then when we treat them, we also immunosuppress them. So, yeah. you know, I tell patients anytime that they get a fever or they get an infection and get put on antibiotics for any other reason, we usually hold their medication so that their body can kind of recuperate and then we put them back on them. Yeah. So something like uh, vaccines like the flu or et cetera, that's all good for Absolutely. patients with Absolutely. Uh, they should lupus. always be getting the flu vaccine and depending on what medications they are put on, mm -hmm. um, they should be getting other vaccines as well. That's an important thing to discuss with a rheumatologist. Okay, great. Okay, well, let's see here what we got. She's really flying, guys. How long is it? Let's see here. Okay, 20? Okay, so I'm going to keep going then. We're good. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that maybe we haven't touched on when it comes to lupus or the patients, anybody that's listening that could be yeah. worried they may have lupus or someone, a loved one? or I think a big thing I would want to convey to lupus patients is to be your own advocate um, because, you know, it really takes more than just one physician or even two to manage everything going on with the lupus patient. You know, they need a very strong relationship with their primary care doctor for the basic screening tests um, and also with the rheumatologist and probably more specialists than just that. So a lot of patients I see 
it's myself, it's a nephrologist, it's a primary care doctor, and sometimes it's a pulmonologist uh, mm -hmm. and a cardiologist. And it's important for the patient to keep a relationship with all the physicians because it's really not just one area or one specialist who's going to be managing all of their care. It's really a, a multi-system approach. Great. So then it's different specialists working together. Just Correct. like you said, there's different organs, skin, everything like mm -hmm. that. So if you're experiencing anything with the lupus symptoms, do you go straight to a specialist or do you go to primary care physician and then get referred? I think the primary care physician first and then okay. uh, via a rheumatologist who to send them anywhere else they need to be sent. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much You're for being welcome. here. It's been Thanks a pleasure. Thank me. you. Mm -hmm. And for more information or to make an appointment with a rheumatologist, call 216-444-2606 or visit clevelandclinic.org slash lupus for more information. And thanks again for joining us today to listen to more of our health essentials podcast from Cleveland Clinic experts. Make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash H-E podcast or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more health tips, news, and information, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.